News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. Want to welcome to the program the award-winning international film and television star Nick Searcy. He is a director, directed the movie Gosnell. You've probably seen that. You've seen him in numerous movies, Shape of Water, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Castaway, Moneyball, Fried Green Tomatoes, Justified, the TV series. He was Chief Deputy Art Mullen, Runaway Jury. Uh, probably heard him also as a guest and then a fill-in host for the late Rush Limbaugh as well. And he is the producer of a brand-new movie uh, that is out now called Capital Punishment. That's Capital with an O. And, uh, Nick, how are you? Good, Good to talk to you again. I love that uh, that bumper music you start your show with. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. That's that... When the levee breaks. Exactly. It's a metaphor. It's, a, it's actually yeah. the theme that I use for the show, um, yeah. and uh, I think it actually it, it, it sort of ties into kind of uh, the general sense I get from reading your Twitter feed. <laughs> which is it's the world falling apart right <laughs> right uh and uh, uh he is definitely worth a follow on twitter at yes nick Cersei. uh but full disclosure be warned he works a little blue on uh on twitter and uh but it is uh, it's worth the uh it's worth the price of admission so uh you got the new movie out so first tell me uh is this a is it a documentary Format and I don't yeah. even know. Like I'm not a movie guy, so like, is that uh, is there a specific thing that a documentary requires? Uh, like it has to be black and white or something, or you have to narrate it? I don't know. <laughs> no, it's a documentary. It's a, it's basically interviews and footage. Uh, you know, not staged footage except for the interviews. So it's it's uh, a documentary about um, January sixth and the aftermath. It's about uh, and that's why we call it capital punishment. It's a movie about how the government is now punishing decent Americans who went to Washington on January 6th because they wanted to have their voices heard, and they did nothing wrong and nothing violent, and still they're being persecuted by the FBI and the Justice Department. You were there on January 6th. I remember, uh, I I think uh, you sent me a a tweet after that day or the day of or something, and you were like, hey, I was there, and like— the right. sort of the narrative that was already starting to calcify, you were all you were you were seeing it happen. And you were like, "That's not what happened." Like I was there, and everybody around me, we were all just marching around and peaceful. Yeah, I mean that's kind of how the movie came about. I didn't go there with the idea of making a movie. I just went there just because I wanted to be there because I'm a great American, and I brought my iPhone and I shot some little iPhone videos or whatever, and then when I got home that night and looked at the news it was like nothing that i had seen i had been there for four or five hours and all i'd seen were people praying and singing and and saying the pledge of allegiance and the star spangled banner i saw people of all colors all races all religions i saw it was such a diverse crowd and then i get home and it's all everybody there was a violent trump supporting white supremacist and it, it just it just wasn't what I saw, and so that's kind of how it came about. Why is the media not showing you anything except what they want you to focus on, which is this narrow little window of something that four, three or four hundred people were involved in, when there were probably almost two million people there? Right. Uh, so dare I call it what a mostly peaceful 
uh, demonstration, right? Isn't that the standard that we're supposed to judge these large gatherings by? I think that's the that's 97% right. peaceful. <laughs> and it was peaceful because most of the people that I saw there were my age or older. I mean, we weren't armed with anything other than like blood pressure medicine or polygraph <laughs> or something. And, you know, it's, it's just insane. If I'm going to. If I'm going to go have an insurrection and try to overthrow a democracy, I'm not going to do it with these old people. Okay? Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I was, well, you could. Yeah, you should have got some pointers from uh, your, our friend Colonel Schlichter. He probably would have been able to give you some advice on uh, <laughs> uh, on how to stage that kind of. And it is, it is one of the things. And look, we recognize both, right? The power of stories and the insurrection yeah. story is a powerful story for the left and for uh, the Lincoln Project, right? So, like, this is a this is a powerful story that uh, resonates mostly with them. But what I am kind of feeling, and, and at this point now, over a year and a half later, like, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, I'm just tired of hearing them talk about it. I, it, it. They seem to have blown it out of proportion to what I think I have a pretty good idea of what I saw, and it doesn't, it doesn't square with the the sort of hyperbolic uh, denunciations that I keep hearing and seeing, but I suspect they need this story for their midterm election hopes. That's my read on it. Well, my read on it is that this was a, by and large, staged or at least partially staged event, that they they wanted this to happen. And in fact, they wanted it to be worse. They, they were, I think they were, the people behind this were kind of disappointed that only one person was killed, you know, or a few people died. Mm-hmm. They wanted a massacre. They wanted something so that they could then say, these people who voted for Trump are all dangerous and need to be rounded up. Because what they're trying to do is completely crush any dissent in this country. They're trying to establish a totalitarian state instead of what we have, a representative republic. And the way they are doing that is by demonizing and terrorizing American citizens so that they will never stand up for their rights ever again. So you know how that sounds when you say that, right? You know what that sounds yeah. like. To, right. So I don't know. This, and I, I battle with this, too. Like when I start talking about collectivism, socialism, communism, right? Um, I know how that sounds. And I know to people who aren't sort of steeped in the fight if they're just kind of, you know, passers-by in the political fight. They're not really going to understand the terms or they're not they're, they're going to think we're just being, you know, over the top. So well, what, what do you say to that? Well, it, this has been going on for decades. This is not something that just started when Trump was elected. I mean, what you are seeing the result of is the left march through our universities they have taught children for decades, generations now, that this is an evil, racist country, that it needs to be brought down, that socialism isn't that bad, and that everybody who opposes them is some sort of racist, subnormal, white supremacist creeping. They have been taught this over and over again for 60 years. So they are not going to come up to you and say, look, we're going to establish a communist state, right? They're never going to say it out loud. This is all being done surreptitiously. It's like Khrushchev said in the in the fifties: "We are going to take over your institutions without firing a shot." And this is this is the culmination of it. You look around and you see what's happening all around you. This is not an accident. This didn't just happen yesterday. And you can call you can call that a conspiracy theory if you want. 
but I invite you to inspect it. I invite you to try to try to investigate what I'm saying rather than just dismissing people like me as some sort of nut. Right. I'm happy if you can prove me wrong. I would be very happy if I was wrong about this. But it, I can't see any other explanation. The, uh, the name of the movie is Capital Punishment, the website where you can actually go and uh, uh, pay your money and see the movie right there is at CapitalPunishmentTheMovie.com. All righty, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. He's a Tar Heel native, but living and working behind enemy lines in California for decades now in Film and television. His name is Nick Searcy. Uh, he is the he's a director. He's an actor uh, and hilarious on Twitter at yes Nick Searcy. He's also the producer of a new movie, Capital Punishment, Capital Punishment the Movie dot com. And uh, it's an, this was an interesting model. I, I haven't seen this sort of thing. And uh, I, I don't know. Is this like a new trend where you release your movie? It's on the web, and I can go there and I can drop. Was it nine ninety nine? And I can watch the movie right there instead of going to a theater. And it's sort of like it's a it's a new is it a rethinking a reimagining if you will of how movies get made and distributed? Yes, I think it's going to be the new model because basically Hollywood has destroyed itself. It's destroyed its own reputation with about at least forty percent of Americans who really reject everything that comes out of it now. And they've also killed their own industry by destroying the theaters with all this COVID stuff. Mm. And so now you have two years of people not going to the theaters, and you have kids growing up where that's not really a big part of their lives. And so I think this kind of pay-per-view model is going to be the way going forward. It's also a way that you can avoid the gatekeepers in Hollywood, and you can get uh, direct access to the audience that that might be interested in your, your film. So it's definitely... CapitalPunishmentTheMovie.com was built just for this movie, and it's a new way of dis- distributing. It's, uh, and I think, a better way, more direct way. Is this part of, what was, uh, uh, forgive me, is it Criado? Criado? Is this part of that operation or that endeavor? No, it's not part of that. Uh, that, that, uh, that that's still in development and still gotcha. ongoing. It, it's the kind of thing, though, that would be a part of that, you know, once it gets built. Yeah. I saw a story where, uh, uh, I guess it was Axios.com, and they're very concerned that the right is building all of these different media companies and different platforms for social media. Uh, they're creating their own echo chamber, they said, with, you know, zero self-awareness. <laughs> <laughs> they have no self-awareness whatsoever that they're the echo chamber and that we have to be created because they're the echo chamber. They never listen to us. They suppress everything that we that, that we try to say. And then they get mad when we go, okay, we'll just say it somewhere else. <laughs> it's so typical. Yeah. And uh, you had experience. Well, maybe this isn't true, but like, was your first was the first run? This is the first kind of run up I saw with it, like really badly, was Gosnell when you were involved uh, when you were the director and the uh, and acted in Gosnell about the abortion doctor, um, probably the right. most prolific serial killer in American history that nobody talks about, and. Uh, I guess maybe probably conservative talk radio audiences know who Kermit Gosnell is and what he did. Uh, but I just remember the, uh, um, I, well, the lack of attention on the trial itself. But then also I seem to recall um, the, the problems with getting the movie made, which seemed to be out of the ordinary, let's say. 
Yeah, well, they, 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 they are anti-free speech. They claim that they are liberal and they want everybody's voice to be heard, but they don't. They, they don't want uh, a, a movie like Gosnell, which offers, it wasn't even like a, an anti-abortion film. It was just a true crime story, but it went against their narrative. So rather than taking it on and watching it, they just try to pretend it doesn't exist. Gosnell, usually a movie gets about 100, 150 reviews. Gosnell got 10. Because the left strategy with a movie like that is to pretend it doesn't exist. They're doing the same thing with capital punishment. They are shadow banning us everywhere they can. And they're trying to pretend that this movie doesn't exist. So I urge everybody to get, go out there. Go to CapitalPunishmentTheMovie.com. It does exist. You can buy it today. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's the way we come fight back. You know, not with, not with violence, but with... Uh, with free speech, which they want to suppress. Which really is, I think, one of the biggest mistakes uh, that the right or conservatives, even libertarians, I think, made over the course of my lifetime, probably. And your, uh, your, uh, your career, I think, spans uh, 30 years now uh, in Hollywood. It seems yeah. like there was this sort of surrendering, or just not even surrendering, just like walking off the field. Like there wasn't a fight, it seemed like. And maybe that was because we felt like there didn't need to be one or something. But I don't know. It just seems like we never engaged. Well, I think conservatives have minimized the importance of culture and just said, no, we're going to stick to science and facts and, you know, electing officials that agree with us and that sort of thing. And they just kind of didn't think entertainment was important. When the fact of the matter is, that's what shapes your children's brains. They're sitting in front of the TV all the time and they're constantly bombarded with the left's messaging over and over and over again. And so that's why we wound up. In the, in the place that we are now. Do you think... But I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, one aspect of this movie that's yeah. different than everything else, one aspect of capital punishment, is that we go and we talk to the people whose doors have been broken down by the FBI. Mm-hmm. These, are, these are decent Americans who have never committed a crime before in their lives, and all of a sudden, 80 armored vehicles, SWAT teams, they're breaking down their doors, they're handcuffing their... 13-year-old daughters and sending them on the street. And this is, it happens over and over again. And this is a deliberate terror tactic. They're trying to terrorize these people and also stigmatize them in their community so that everybody looks at them and goes, oh, well, I don't want to wind up like that guy. I'm never going to open my mouth about the government ever again. So this is all a very deliberate tactic, and you'll see this in the mo- in this movie that you won't see that anywhere else. Yeah, there's even a guy from Silva, North Carolina, Easton Cantwell. This guy that I read about, I tracked him down, and we interviewed him about what happened to him in Silva. And it wasn't just the government. The government came to his place of business, handcuffed him, walked him out in ankle chains. This is a this is an American veteran who who started his own business. And they have completely destroyed his life. He had to shut down all his businesses because the community turned against him. And so that is part of the tactic. That is why this lie coming from the government over and over again. These are violent insurrectionists. Over and over again, they're saying this because they are trying to turn the community against these people, as well as bring the full force of the federal government and the, the the justice system against them. No, I'm glad you mentioned him. He's the he had a coffee shop, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, I had a coffee shop in Silva, and he had one in Maggie Valley. Yeah. And after he was arrested, and it was written up in the papers that he, you know, 
was arrested for being in the Capitol on January 6th, Eason never went in the building. Right. Most everybody in our movie never went in the building. The only people that we talked to that actually went in the building are two 74-year-old grandmothers who asked the police if they could come in, and the police said yes. They went in, took a couple of pictures, went out, went back home. Three weeks later, the FBI is knocking on their door, threatening them with a year in jail, telling them that they are now domestic terrorists and they can't fly anywhere. Two 74-year-old twin sister grandmothers, domestic terrorists. I mean, this is... I was shocked when we were making the movie. I know that people are going to shock when they see it. It's shocked when they see it because it's just... You can't believe this is happening in America. Yeah. The name of the movie is Capital Punishment. The website, CapitalPunishmentTheMovie.com. Nick Searcy, best of luck uh, on the movie, and uh, congrats on it, and uh, love to have you back on the program sometime. Hey, next time you're back, in, are you going to move out of California or what? I, I feel like I need to ask. Are you leaving? I have, I have uh, <laughs> let's just say, I have secured an escape route, and it's available <laughs> whenever I need it. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm going to have to move out of California eventually because California's going down. Yeah. It's, it's not going to make it. Yeah. At yes, Nick Cersei on Twitter as well. Follow him there too. Nick, great to uh, talk with you. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Pete. All right, take care. And-